What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rising Above podcast, a platform for you to share your story. Oftentimes we all have something that happens to us in life and we have no way of sharing. Many people want an outlet, whether it's writing a book or going on a massive networking platform or starting an inspirational social media account. With the Rising Above platform, anyone with an inspiring, motivating, or interesting story can come on and share. It could be anything from the struggles of starting a business, the struggles of overcoming homelessness or mental illness. I've interviewed victims of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. There is no subject that is off limits. This platform offers a safe and fun way for you to share your story through a one-on-one experience. If you would like to share your story, the best way to reach out would be through social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook or through email. All the links will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. All right. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess, and today I have Michael Gilmore with me. He is on the show, The Ultimate Fighter. Um, he was just picked up uh, just recently. And uh, anyways, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the introduction. I want him to introduce himself and ex- tell, tell the, the, uh, <laughs> tell the audience uh, who he is and where he's from and, and whatnot. So I guess without further ado, uh, Michael, uh, are you from the Lansing area? Uh, that's a, so it's a weird story and I'll try not to get too much into small details that don't matter. So <laughs> technically, yes. So I was born in Lansing. My mom's from Michigan. Okay. Um, she met my dad in Arizona when she was visiting her grandfather and they met and my dad moved here after, I think my mom moved there first or something, but my dad moved here. I was born. He's originally from California. He went through one winter here and was like, I'm out. So told my mom, basically, you can come with me or not. And so before I was two, I believe I was in Arizona. So I consider myself being from Tucson, Arizona, but technically I was born in Lansing. Um, so it kind of came full circle to where I'm back in the Lansing area. I live in Charlotte now. We just, my wife and I moved there about a year ago. Oh, cool. Um, so, so kind of from Lansing, uh, born, but raised in Tucson, Arizona. Now you're fighting out of Lansing, Michigan, right? Correct. Yep. Um, we are with, uh, Murcielago MMA. Um, we are sharing space with Simmons Academy of Wrestling uh, right now. Where's that at? Where's that located? It's on South Cedar Street uh, across from the, so the John Bean building, oh, okay. the vacant building there is where we were at for years. Mm-hmm. And then when we joined um, Simmons Academy, which is basically across the street, there's that like little car wash there. And then right behind okay. that is where uh, his gym's at. Okay. Now, how long have you been in M- MMA? I am coming up on 10 years in MMA. Wow. So I started a little bit after college. Uh, I played college football. I was trying to um, get into the NFL or Canadian Football League. Wow. I dislocated my knee my senior year of football, and that kind of ruined it. I was trying to, I did get my speed back, never got my jumping back, uh, really messed up a lot of stuff in my knee. And when I came back to Michigan, um, 
and I was still rehabbing my knee. It just didn't happen, and I kind of fell into MMA. I had watched, uh, my, I went to school in Tucson, right? I was raised there. I went to school with Dominic Cruz, and when I was rehabbing my knee, I saw a commercial for a fight in Columbus, Ohio, and it was said Dominic Cruz. So I'm laying there, I'm still on like massive surgery drugs. I think I just spent an hour looking at a TV that wasn't on, and I was in a machine uh, that like would bend my leg for me. And I saw Dominic Cruz, and Facebook was still just for college people. Um, it didn't like expand out to anybody. So it was really harder to keep in touch with friends back then. And I was like, I was like, man, really, it's Dominic Cruz fighting in uh, this. And I didn't follow MMA all through college. It was school and football is all that I focused on. And so uh, I went down to Columbus, Ohio, watched him fight, fell in love with fighting, just watching him. And then when I was done with football, I was still in the Lansing area, and I just passed a sign that said, live MMA fights tonight. And so I went, um, I think it was at the Causeway Bay Hotel. Okay. Um, I think that's where I was at. It was a TWC show, I believe, uh, local promotion. And I just sat and watched. And about 10 years ago when I started, there was no commission in Michigan. It was basically the Wild West of MMA here. And I was just sitting in the crowd, and somebody had walked by and was like, hey, do you want to fight tonight? And I was like, nope. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> and uh, they were like, well, we get you a mouthpiece and a cup and all that. And I was like, nope, I'm just here to watch. And I watched some of the fights. And, um, you know, after falling in love with it, watching Dominic win uh, his belt and thinking I would like to try it, I just asked around, like, where's the best uh, place to train? Who's the best team? And without fail, it was pro virtually 100% of people said Mercy Lago MMA. And so, Finding them was hard. Um, it's a pretty exclusive group, and they don't yeah. let everybody in. And so I went up there. I trained. They beat my ass for a little bit, and you know they accepted me in their team. And I've just been with them the whole time. So what does it take to get into Mercy Lago? You said it's a pretty exclusive group. I I've tried finding them on on social media. There's really not much of a presence. Um, there's not really a website. There's no. Nothing. And how I found them, um, I looked them up, and there was an email address. There was nothing else to find, no address, and I emailed uh, that address, and it happened to be our head coach, uh, Coach Joaquin, and he said, yeah, go ahead and come through. Um, and when it was at the John Bean building, so the front door is locked. There's no way to get in, not a buzz or anything, and they're on the second, we're on the second floor. And I was like, I don't even know how to get in this place. It's dark, real sketchy looking place. <laughs> And somebody else on the team had pulled up because uh, I'd got there early for practice and somebody else on the team had pulled up. He picked up a rock and just chucked it up at the window. <laughs> and that let somebody know to come down and let us in. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how we got in. But the exclusivity, uh, what I mean is, is when you come in, you're expected to work hard. Um, we fight, you know, at practice pretty hard. And a lot of people just don't make it. They can't cut it. We don't want part-timers. Uh, in there we want people who take it serious and it taking it serious doesn't even mean you necessarily have to compete or want to go to the next level but go in there and practice hard and compete and even just be a body and help everybody else most of the people who come through the door are almost never come back and wow. and that may be true in other MMA gyms as well because it's a hard sport but definitely in ours and I know when I first came in there was no the introductory class there's there wasn't a on Tuesdays at this time, it's beginners. Wednesdays this time, so a lot of big gyms that I've gone out to, either on vacation or visiting home in Arizona, they have separated classes for 
new new people they're pro class they're amateur class and they have amateur tryouts with us it's just a tryout for the team you come in and there was no like okay this is how you throw a punch so i had a football background and i wrestled from middle school all the way through high school and i didn't know anything about mma first day sparring you know just got some gloves from like walmart i think uh really crappy <laughs> shin pads and just got my butt beat but me being the competitor that i am I was like, all right, I'm going to get them the next time. And I didn't get anybody for a while, but I kept coming back. And that's when you, when the people who make it and stay, those are the true fighters. Now, do you guys have like belt, belt tests or is everybody at different, obviously there's different levels. So you could be coming in off the street fighting a black belt essentially. Yeah. So we don't have any, um, belting system with regard to MMA or jujitsu right now. Recently we brought in, um, uh, a jujitsu coach, um, who, could take us under his wing, you know, and belt us because he's able to do that. Um, we have a combat karate instructor. Uh, it's called Goatee, and he will do a belting system. But most of that is based on kung fu. A lot of stand up, some some groundwork, but mostly stand up. So I have a brown belt in that. Um, but with like jujitsu or anything like that, there's no belting system. It's basically um, our coach calls us a bunch of misfits. So we're not in a, a fancy place we don't have fancy equipment it's all old school stuff i'm pretty sure the mats that we've been trained on had been there for you know 50 years probably it seemed like so it's nothing nothing fancy like the big commercial gyms or anything like that just a lot of blue collar hard work wow so going in um how long were you training before you had your first fight i was training six months before i had my first amateur fight which is fairly early because uh, coach joaquin is very protective of his name personally and Mercy, the Mercy Alago name. Um, so he doesn't like people accepting their fights rogue um, and he won't co-sign on something that he thinks is just dumb. So there are, there's there stupid fights to take. There's tough fights to take, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're out there trying to take stupid fights and some fighters, uh, journeyman fighters are fighting simply for a paycheck and they don't, it's not win or loss. They've got massive records one way or the other and they'll just go fight wherever he's protective of his name because he's built a brand. And um, so for me fighting in six months, I made some pretty big strides and had a pretty good, you know, good athletic base being a college football player and, um, you know, wrestling and all that. So I built up uh, enough, I guess, trust in him. He called me on a Wednesday and was like, hey, do you want to fight Saturday? And I was like, I guess if you think I'm ready. So it was about six months from stepping into the door to stepping into the cage. Wow. That's insane. And did you win? I did. Um, I won by TKO in the second round. The best advice that I ever got uh, to this day was from Daquan Townsend, local MMA fighter, um, U, uh, UFC vet as well. Um, he, ju- he just said, hit him first. And that seems obvious, but a lot of amateur fights or first-time fighters, they might be okay in the gym or they might feel ready. Um, but when you get hit with the small gloves, and if you're not ready for it, it hurts. <laughs> and so getting, being the first one to make the touch, whether it's hard, um, you know, whether it's a kick or a punch, it doesn't have to be a power shot. Just if you're the first one making the touch, it kind of does something that gets you into the fight to where the punches that you receive or you don't miss, they, they don't hurt as bad while you're in there. So um, that's something in that first fight that I've taken with me throughout my entire career. I tried to touch first. Um, whatever that means, whether it's a takedown or a punch or a kick, I try to do that and that started way back in my very first fight that's awesome so i I would assume it probably kind of sets the tone for the fight 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how my career could have gone. Um, you know, I, I remember the first thing I did, I stepped in with a hard jab and snapped the kid's head back. And if that would have happened to me, who knows? I mean, I know that I'm, I would like to think, yeah, I'm competitive. Somebody hits me, all right, it's time to go. But I think that was, the, you know, setting the tone to, you know, from that first fight to where I'm at now. Now, how did you, how did you land the nickname, the, the gentleman? So, <laughs> That a uh, former coach of ours um, gave me that name, and he tells me it's uh, twofold on, on how he gave it to me. So, um, I the company I used to work for uh, when I was first starting fighting, uh, wearing a suit was a requirement, and so I would go from work to practice. So I would show up to practice wearing a suit, get into my gear, um, and practice, and then my very first fight after the first round, I ended the round on top of my opponent. And when the round ended, we stood up, but I, I helped him up. And that comes from football. So way back when I first started football, my dad said, if you run somebody over or you land on, you make a tackle and you're on, on top of them, help them up, next play, knock them down again. And it was just something that my dad instilled with me all through sport. And I just didn't even think, it wasn't like, oh, I should help this kid. It just happened. It's good sportsmanship. Yep. And so um, I don't remember if it was my fourth or fifth amateur fight. Um, they were trying to give me nicknames. I was like, I don't want a nickname. I just want to be myself. And he, that coach in one of my fights gave the nickname to the announcer without my knowledge. And when he said that, it just stuck. Wow. So my, um, my buddy Cipriano was telling you about, uh, he sent me the video of you, uh, being interviewed by Dana White for, uh, the ultimate fighter. And he was like, yeah, his, his, his nickname's the gentleman. He, he really is like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And I said, that's kind of crazy that he's going into a cage bashing people's faces in. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, people go into fighting for various <clears> reasons. <throat> and I, I fight because I love to compete. Uh, I'm not, I go in there I, and I, I guess by virtue of the sport, you are trying to hurt the person. Um, but that's not my mentality. I'm not angry when I'm in there. Mm -hmm. Some people need to find something to fight about. Right. Uh, I don't need that. I don't. I don't have that. You don't have any I, inner demon demons no. or anything. Uh, well, they might be there, but uh, <laughs> it's nothing that's prevalent. I don't need to psych myself up for a fight. And actually, you know, before a fight, um, I think I fit in the uh, mold of most fighters as being terrified. So, <clears throat> most men, uh, whether it's as a kid or as an adult have been in some sort of fight, whether it's with a friend or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those just happen. It's impromptu. You fight. There's no time to think about it. When you are scheduled for a fight, you, after the weight cut, so the weight cut's the first part. That consumes most of your mental energy mm -hmm. um, is, is getting down to weight. But once that's done and then you have the next 24 to 36 hours to know, like, man, I'm about to go fight somebody. You're like, why do I do this? Like, I've got a college degree. Why am I in there going to fight somebody? And it is, there's a competitive drive. Um, and then the, the high of winning is a massive drug. If they can put that in a pill, everybody would be on it. Um, but the lows of losing are, are the worst. So just that, that adrenaline search uh, of that win is why I fight. It's not to be angry or to be mm -hmm. mad at anybody. Um, and I really do just try to treat most people with respect um, because I, it's 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 just nice to do now if, if somebody comes at me and is disrespectful i usually just stay away from them like i just don't need you in my life so i th i think that's how i approach life that's how i approach fighting is just to be respectful to the other person i know the other person wants to compete they're trying to win they're trying to get that 
that high that I'm searching for as well. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens at the end of the day, it happens. And then uh, after the fight, it's all done. Now, you said uh, you ask yourself after you're, you're done with your wake up, why do I do this to myself? Why do you? Uh, at that moment, I can't find, almost never can find an answer. But when I'm in the cage and all of that goes away, right? The, uh, I don't, the fear goes away. The, the, the anxiety is still there. Um, but then the game plan, the preparation, that part starts to kick in. Um, and I've transferred the college football preparation into MMA. So I watch film on my opponents. I try to look for tendencies. I look for, uh, you know, watch their fights. Do they come out a certain way each time? Is there something that they do every time? Because everybody has patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and so once I'm in the cage, uh, the fear or the, the why I do this, that part is, is all gone. It's now into the game plan mode of, okay, um, he's going to come out and do one of these things. I've prepared for those things as a response. Um, and again, which is the exact same thing that you do in college football. In college football, an offense at least has 10 plays scripted based on the other team's defense from film the week before and years of playing that, film bef uh, that team before or maybe that defensive coordinator. You want to see, okay, if I'm now three by one, are they still going to be in cover two? How are they going to rotate their safety? So those first 10 plays in college football and uh, professional football aren't um, aren't to do anything but to see if the defense has made any changes. And so I've transferred that into my mentality of MMA. Um, but I also do the same thing when I corner my teammates. So I try to be like the brain behind all of that versus being like a brute force or, or something like that and, and really think of MMA in a different way that most common people um, don't look at it and won't see it if they're just casual fans or even like hardcore fans that have never fought may not think of those things going through the fighters minds and they have to go through your mind and in, in rapid succession in football you can run a play upstairs sees it they call down to the coach they get the next play mm -hmm. in MMA if I come out and let's say I'm preparing for an orthodox fighter and he comes out le uh, lefty southpaw I immediately have to adjust right away. I, nobody's calling from upstairs saying, hey, Southpaw, right. you know, go to this particular play. And I, I think they'll bring in that mentality over into MMA. And, and when I get in there, all of the why and all of that is all gone um, from the anxiety. And I go right into the game plan. Um, the why that I do it when I think about it, um, you know, soberly, not, not in that, that fear moment, you know, getting your hands raised, all the anxiety, mm -hmm. um, is really the competition. And now, uh, I was just married in June oh, congrats. Um, and have, uh, you know, a new stepdaughter. I mean, basically through our relationship has been like a father role, but now it's like official, right? Mm -hmm. So they have become, you know, a big why for me. Can I, can I do something that I love to do and support them? Because that is more important than myself right and that is becoming the greater why now and before it's just competition i never expected this to be or to be where i'm at now when i first started i was devastated that i was never going to play professional football um, because that was the goal since i was seven when i started and just one play one injury took all of that away and i just wasn't done competing and i didn't get to go out on my terms and I found this sport and, and it was just the competition, the love and the drive of competing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and now I just have additional why of a family.
and you're on your way to, yeah. to doing it professionally. I hope, hope so. I mean, well, you, you, you already are kind of doing it professionally. Yeah, so um, MMA is a little bit different with that. So I've been professional for, I think, four years now. Okay. Um, but how many, how many pro fights have you had? Nine. Nine. Six wow. and three currently. Wow. Uh, as an amateur, I was nine and two. Okay. Um, so when you make the jump to pro and MMA, um, I would say it's the easiest sport to say you're professional in, right? Because you can do a couple amateur fights, mm-hmm. and then you can get your license, uh, get your medicals done, and then sign, uh, you know, find a promoter. There's a bunch of them out there, and you can have a pro fight, and then you okay. can go the rest of your life and saying I was a pro fighter. That was my first goal with doing it was just to become pro professional football was taken away from me and I was like I just don't want all that years of all those years of work to be um for nothing and I was just I was just a guy and be the old man like oh I used to (laughs) play football I used to do this stuff and and I could have done x y and z and just you know I I didn't want to say or have that you know I I used to be this guy we all know people who do that and and it's fine I can't stand that it's (laughs) fine and some of those people might be telling the truth they might have uh you know a nostalgic look of their past um, and embellish a little bit, which is fine. However, however they want to look at it, but they they know of did I um, succeed in the way that I wanted wanted to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started and I found out how it all goes, I was like, I can certainly do this and just have a pro fight. And so along the way, it's just been very small increments of improvement. Um, so I had that pro fight, and then just like I told you, that drug of of winning, I was like, well, I won. So I can just do another one. And then the second one, I took on like five days notice. It was a favor um, because somebody had dropped out. Hindsight 2020, as a professional, you should never do that uh, (laughs) at a smaller level when you're not ready because your professional record stays with you. Um, It was a fight that I stepped in, you know, short notice, had to cut a lot of weight, dominated the first round and had no gas for the second round. Uh, And... And again, it's learning experience, all that. But then that was the lowest of the lows of losing. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't go out like that. And I, w- I won. And then I was like, great, I'm going to chase that again. So it's just like, a, it's almost a never ending cycle mm-hmm. of, of this. So I've been a professional for that time. I've been pro- uh, fighting professional on um, local, uh, regional cards. Um, I was scheduled before the pandemic to fight for my first title fight as a professional, but wow. uh, COVID shut down all of that and um you know obviously the country and so there's no fights happening almost no training happening and um so it was mostly local and regional stuff until i was able to get on the ultimate fighter show wow that's insane um so what is uh, kind of going back like you were talking about your like you're not really stressed out going into a cage what is your mentality like going into a fight and how do you because i i could imagine like if i was going into a fight i'd be nervous um, just like, like waiting for you to get here. I was kind of nervous for the podcast. I'm like, this guy's probably a little bit intimidating. I don't no, know. I hope not. Wait, no, no, not at all. You're, yeah, you're a super I mean, I cool hope, guy. I hope so. Yes. No, you're super for cool. And I enjoy talking to you and you're very thought out, thought, thought, thought out, well thought out person. Um, so I was kind of nervous, but so I could imagine going into a fight that I would be nervous as well. What do you do to calm your nerves? What's your, what's your protocol before a fight? So uh, minus, minus obviously the weight cutting and right the, the weight cutting is the worst part about it mm-hmm. uh, um, almost any fighter will tell you that um and once that's over the so in the cage it, it's, it's almost weird to explain but it goes back to the game planning the preparation am i ready for the fight 
um, if you're not ready for the fight, I would imagine the nerves consume you much more. Mm -hmm. Anxiety in a fight is fantastic. We need anxiety. It's the fight or flight, right? So you're in a situation where it's either this guy or me. Once that cage shuts, um, I don't know if it's ever happened. It might have been, but like nobody's like, oh, okay, no, I changed my <laughs> mind. Like I'm out, right? So yeah. you, you, you have to do it. You're forced to do that. And I mean, you signed up for it, right? So you, you have to do it. So the anxiety is good because it's, it's like, I don't want to get my butt kicked. I don't want to get hit. So I have to do that to him. So in the cage, when I'm there, uh, you know, whether I'm the first or second out and I'm in the corner, the coach has given me reminders from the game plan, getting some water, and it's just running through um, like the football game plan, the 10 plays. Uh, if he comes out, and he, is he going to come out, like I saw in the last film, fast, uh, or is he going to come out slow? Is he going to come out and throw the jab, or is he going to come out and throw power? Some people uh, dance around a little bit. Some people will come and just stand right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. So in that moment in the cage, the anxiety is there because of a fight's about to happen. But in my mind, it's all of the previous preparation. Uh, at my house, I've got uh, a sauna. Oh, in my sweet. basement. What kind of sauna do you have? Uh, it's an infrared sauna. It's okay. a three-person sauna. Highly recommended. If I want it. one. Um, so <laughs> I, afterwards, I can show you the website that I got it. They have a, an outlet section on okay. their website, and I got it for about half price. Oh, wow. Um, because they they guarantee the inner workings of it uh, are perfect, but you might have some cosmetic damage to the outside, which is in my basement. I don't care. There's like a small... <laughs> uh, crack in the wood on the back of my sauna and I got it for half price so wow yeah I'll, sh I'll share that with you afterwards yeah, if awesome. you want um, but sitting across from my sauna is a TV on the wall and I watch film and so when I'm in the cage and you know I'm walking back and forth it's those thoughts that are going through my mind um, I'm working on my breathing trying to get as much oxygen in, and I can't as I can in my blood um, so that my muscles don't fatigue early um, the adrenaline dump is a very real thing mm -hmm. um, and if you're not focused on your breathing or if you're too nervous and you have too much nervous energy that adrenaline dump will happen it happened in my first fight uh first pro fight um i was so nervous it was the first uh my dad was there all the way from arizona a lot wow. of people came to watch me uh you know do the thing that i'd set out to do since i was seven years old become a professional athlete mm -hmm. and i didn't i didn't calm those nerves down and I think it was about three, no, two minutes into the first round. My coach is yelling out the time, and he, he goes, two minutes. And an amateur fight is three minutes a professional uh, per round, and a professional fight is five minutes per round. And I remember thinking, I was like, damn, I've got three, I've got three more minutes of this round, and my arms already feel that they're a 1,000 pounds. My legs feel so heavy. Um, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to push through this. And it, it's... It's mental because they're not a thousand pounds. You can still throw them, but that adrenaline dump is massive. So if you don't calm your nerves enough and you don't focus on your breathing, you don't worry about the game plan. That will happen to almost every single fighter. Now, what is training like? Are you training in karate? Uh, I, you kind of mentioned that you're training in a mix of things. Yeah. Um, what What martial arts are you training in? Um, so my weeks right now are. Um, Based. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I do strength and conditioning. Okay. Um, we have uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Justin Hardig, out of the Human Performance Institute in um, uh, DeWitt. Uh, it's off Airport Road over there. He's a former uh, NFL football player, uh, uh, Charlotte uh, alum as well. And oh, wow. um, he is, I think he's 
he's got his PhD, he's working towards his PhD. He's, uh, he's brilliant when it comes to strength and conditioning. He is also a fighter. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a handful of us are, are at his place, and he's got workouts designed for fighters. Um, and he's got other athletes, professional athletes, football, baseball, but he is able to not only educationally, but from being a fighter himself, tailor his workouts for us to where we're building the strength that we need. What kind of workouts are you guys doing? Oh, it, all kinds of stuff. Like uh, explosive like things? Sometimes explosive, sometimes soft tissue workouts. So like last week we did uh, a workout, uh, a series of workouts that weren't high intensity. I mm -hmm. didn't leave tired, but they were needed to um, kind of reset the muscles, get some movement, work on the smaller muscles that uh, are um, neglected during the uh, workouts that focus on the bigger, more explosive muscles. So okay. he, every, every bit uh, he's thought out. But like yesterday, we did 10 rounds of, of a circuit tr training workout where they were one minute each. And when you're in a five round or f you know, five minute fight for three rounds, you, you can't look at it as five minutes. We do mentally break it up into sections of the fight. Mm -hmm. um, and so a workout like that, you're, you're pushing a certain thing for a minute and you get a little bit of a break. So, uh, you know, some action happens in a fight and then maybe there's a separation, there's that break. That's when you're focused on your breathing. That's when you're fo focused on getting your oxygen back in and then you're right back in it. And we did 10 rounds of that. That was yesterday, yeah, yesterday's workout. Wow. Um, so it's the, he focuses on everything. It's fantastic. He's been, He's been working with us. Um, I think I had a Facebook memory where I've personally been working with him. Um, it used to be just for camps. Now it's all the time, but for like five years. Wow. And But now that he's been more um, consistent with our guys going with him, it's a fantastic asset um, to have his knowledge and, and that and just focus for us. Um, you know, you get some strength and conditioning coaches that might, you know, be internet trained or, mm -hmm. uh, and they might be big or jacked themselves, but right. we, as fighters, big and jacked doesn't do anything for you. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be able to be strong and lean because yep. if you're big and jacked, that weight cut, you know, you got to stay within a certain weight class. In college football, I was eating whole hot and ready pizzas, all the cardio or uh, calories I could possibly What position get. did you play? Uh, wide receiver. Okay. Um, but I weighed about 210. Um, wow. playing college football. What do you weigh right now? Uh, 195 probably. And I typically wow. fight at 170. Um, wow. the show, the show was a middleweight. Um, the contestants that I was, at was the middleweight 185. So I didn't okay. have to get all the way down to 170 for it. Um, some of those guys are pretty big. Um, but just having somebody with that expertise is, is fantastic for us. Um, with regard to the martial arts, it depends on the day. Uh, Monday we, uh, we'll do boxing. Tuesdays are typically wrestling. Wednesdays we'll do more of a kickboxing type uh, workout. Uh, Thursdays we've got a jiu-jitsu coach that comes in, so it's all groundwork. Um, and then Fridays we try to put it all together with uh, MMA sparring. So you're training pretty much every day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, wow. Five days a week. Um, you know, if something tweaks. Uh, yesterday um, I took, uh, I worked out in, with uh, HPI um, with my strength and conditioning. Uh, I taught a, um, a Muay Thai class over with him to help him out. So I did two workouts yesterday, but I skipped the, uh, the MMA workout. Um, I, my low back was bothering me a little bit, and I needed to be ready for today um, for jujitsu. So sometimes you take it off. you got to listen to your body, mm -hmm. um, which is something also that through time I, I've learned is equally as important as the workout is right. the, the resting period. Mm -hmm. 
all when I, I grew up being an athlete there was like it was no rest it was the most most work you can put in the better if you're sitting there the other guy's working so you better go work right and that's how you create injuries that's how you shorten careers not lengthen them mm -hmm. the recovery and letting your body work through its injuries and heal itself is equally as important so most of the time we're five days a week uh, or i'm personally five days a week um, the gym is going five days a week um, but there are days that if if your body's not feeling it you it's more important to take it off than not now what are you said you have a sauna what are you what kind of things are you doing t for recovery like i um i have a it's called a tim tam i've got the tim tam as well oh, yep. i love that thing yeah so which one do you have because i have the like, one that just has the one speed the one speed the one that's super yeah. loud yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep yeah people are coming in the real quiet ones I was like, <laughs> yep. the theraguns yep uh so I, i've got that um be the foam rollers stretching mm -hmm. obviously the sauna is massive mm -hmm. um you know, if you can get in something like that for, you know, 20 minutes, uh, I usually am there for longer, but how know, long a are few you doing times a week, probably about 40 minutes, um, what, what he in there. It, so the, in, time? the infrared sauna only goes up to 140. So it's a different than like a, a dry sauna that can get up like 200, 190 or something. Right. Um, so the air itself doesn't feel that hot, but I think about 15, 20 minutes in, you're just pouring sweat. I bet. Um, so I do that. I've got the, um, can't remember the brand uh they're the compression boots oh okay um, yeah that really help like with Nor like, nortec or whatever that, yeah i couldn't afford those but <laughs> it, yes that's the the main brand but something like that where um i put those on and let my uh you know let it circulate the blood in my legs i do cupping quite a bit i got a okay. um uh, a set off amazon that uh you know areas sore shoulders or something back we'll put that on there um when I can afford it, I like to go and get some sports massages. Mm. Um, those, those are huge. I just, you know, you gotta pay for those. And it, I like, I don't want a, a, a spa setting where it's relaxed. I want the person mm -hmm. to like be, Dig. I don't, yeah, I don't want it to feel good during. And, and the, the lady that I go to, Carrie, she is real good at that. She beats me up the whole time. It's uh, not really pleasurable during, but afterwards I feel mm -hmm. really good. My wife and I just had a couple's massage last week and it was a deep massage and every, I guess I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, Never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we had a, a couple's massage and, um, I haven't had one in a, in a while and I told him I wanted a deep massage and like they were just grinding. The lady was just taking her elbow and grinding my shoulder and it's mm. just, oh, I felt so good. I think some massage therapists, when you tell them that they, they, it's like a challenge. They're like, I'm going to make mm -hmm. them tap. I mm -hmm. think they, I think they have that mentality too. And I'm like, ah, oh, keep going. <laughs> she almost had me tapping and I was like, no, I, I just need to just need to breathe, just breathe, just get through it. But yeah, it, it was relaxed. It was relaxful afterwards. Yeah. So those, oh. those types of things for recovery, um, are important. I, uh, I would like to do more ice baths. Um, though we only have one tub in our house. Um, but more more cold uh type therapy also because mm -hmm. um i listen to joe rogan's podcast a lot yeah. some of the experts that he he has on there that talk about recovery the the ice baths or or cold cryo. showers yeah cryo cryotherapy is great but that's also expensive have you done it uh, yeah a handful of times okay. um, when we're in las vegas and uh we're at the ufc performance institute they have got a they've got a cryo chamber there and also wow. a like a they've got a hot jacuzzi right next to a, a ice cold jacuzzi and so when I'm there and those services are available, I definitely do them and it feels great. And do you notice a significant difference in how you feel? Definitely. Yeah. After, a, after the cold uh, shower or bath or whatever, 
immediately it like during it's it's awful but you immediately <laughs> feel refreshed almost like you didn't practice and wow. it really does well with your muscles and, and joints and all that stuff wow that's impressive um i had another question rec regarding this i don't remember what it was um so how did you make it on the ultimate fighter what what was that process like you had to obviously try out for it so well, COVID made it a little bit different. So the filming of it was supposed to be in January. Okay. Um, I was watching one of the UFC cards, can't remember, and they advertised that they were bringing back the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, it, I was looking for the application for it. They showed middleweights and for bantamweights. And I was like, okay, I can I'll just apply and see what happens. Because uh, you have to have a minimum of three fights before they would even consider you to be on the show. And then i so i looked for the application couldn't find it anywhere online and b my job be before this i was uh, an investigator for an insurance company investigating insurance fraud um and so i was like how can i not find you know my job is to find stuff uh <laughs> if well if it's there and they're telling right. me that they're doing the season and the application i can't find it i couldn't find it i don't know where it was at um but at one of my practices a teammate of mine uh, who's a bantamweight said that he had applied and I was like where did you get this application and he said his management company sent it to him and wow. so uh, I got in touch with his management company and they sent me um, the application and they sent it in for me and we were supposed to go out to Vegas like November 30th for the interviews the tryouts and all that mm -hmm. and because of COVID it got pushed back to supposed to be January and then it was like indefinitely like canceled and so it was almost removed from my mind as a possibility um because i just they didn't i didn't know they're gonna do the show or not mm -hmm. and then randomly i got uh, an email from one of the producers and they talked you know let me know what the next process were uh because of covid they didn't actually fly us out um they did zoom uh interviews and meetings like that and so i worked through the process went through that meeting and then we went out to Vegas for um, the pre-show medical. So they brought, I can't remember, they brought more people out than they were going to cast. So they cast eight of each weight class. Okay. And But we were quarantined in a hotel. The only time we were leaving was to do the uh, medicals. And I, it makes sense that they bring out more because somebody fails something in the medical, they've got enough people there for the show. Right. And so I've, I've been quarantined for like a week or so, I think right before a week one of the producer comes in and uh i could tell his face that i was like this doesn't look like good news because um, i we knew that they would have more people out there than they needed mm -hmm. and then the others would be considered alternates and so the producer came in and he goes i he said we'll just get right to it you're you're an alternate and uh and the reason that he told us is because on that on the saturday show so i got told on a friday that i was an alternate on that saturday show they were going to release the cast on the UFC card on TV, and they knew that we would all be watching it in the hotel. Right. And so they had to go around and tell the people that they're alternates. And how, how did they come up with that decision? Did they you try out for it? How I don't. Did, I don't know. Um, they just randomly. Yeah, I think. I think it's a probably a pa a panel of probably the producers mm -hmm. and UFC staff and. Uh, you know the the people that they choose to to bring out there even at that stage are, are people that they believe are the you best. know couldn't do well in the show right um but then they you know they narrow it down to the people that they think of that group is the 
are the best ones to choose, and I just ha didn't have to be one of them. Um, and I didn't take it personally. I, I know mm -hmm. that it's a business. They've got a, you know, the producers have a show to run, and the right. UFC has the obligation that, you know, that they're putting the best fighters out there. So I didn't take it personally. What hurt hurt me inside was that I had to quit my job because they didn't allow me to have the leave of absence to go out for the show. Um, I was watching that interview with Dana White, and he's like, it's giving me chills. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's giving me goosebumps. Yeah, so I had a job. Um, I'd been in the insurance industry for about 10 years as well, almost the same amount of time I'd been fighting. Um, and I had a, a good job, company car, uh, insurance uh, benefit, like health insurance benefits, for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Salary job, um, you know, and the company didn't allow me, didn't allow the leave of absence. I needed more time than I had vacation for. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, can, can I, I, I don't even want, just unpaid. Because by the time the filming is done, I'll be, I can be back well before the position can be posted, before you can interview, before you can run the background checks. Right. And hire somebody and train them. And anyways, I'm the best person for this job. I've been doing it for five years. I don't want payment for this time off. I understand that, but I, I want to go do this. And they didn't adjust their company policy for leave. And that's their prerogative, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, They um, also have a business to run. Yeah, I, I think uh, I laid out a good argument of why it was in their best bi uh, interest business-wise mm -hmm. to allow me to take that time off. The coworkers that I worked with were fantastic and were not, uh, they were not like, oh no, we, they were like, yeah, we'll cover for you. Go, go do this. Oh, cool. And so I had great people around me. And, and you know, to an extent, my, my boss um, was was understanding, and she'd been supportive the whole time. Where uh, my vacation, wherever I work, is very sporadic. I almost never take vacation for myself. It's always I got to go corner somebody. Mm -hmm. I got to be in this state, and it's you know last minute sometimes. Uh, one time, you know, I had to go ten days. Uh, I, I had to leave in ten days to go to Abu Dhabi to corner um, wow. Daquan and uh, Joaquin Buckley, and. They were great with all of that. They just, above her, wouldn't adjust the mm -hmm. um, that policy, which, again, as a, as a private company, you can. I don't know why right. they chose not to, but th again, they, that's their decision. And I'm not mad at anybody for it. It's, it's mm -hmm. slightly disappointing because I know that I did good work. I know that I do good work. Um, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I couldn't not take that opportunity. But when I was told that I was the alternate, like it was that, it was like a sinking feeling because, you know, at that point, I, I wasn't married yet, but it was coming up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I got this family. I just quit a job. And I, that was the first moment where I would question my decision. I was like, damn. And so I was like, so what happens here from here? And they said, well, you're an alternate. And the producer said, there's never been a season where we haven't had an alternate. And I was like, but how does that go? Because they were talking about sending, you know, bringing me back to Michigan. And they're like, well, if we need you, we'll call you back. And my dad lives in Vegas now. His, his job moved him there a few years back. And so I talked with my wife and I was like, um, I'm gonna just stay here with my dad for a little bit. I already quit my job, so nothing to come back to. <laughs> um, and so I'm just gonna stay with my dad so that my thought process was is if they needed an alternate, they sent the other guys back to whatever states they were from. I was already there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I gotta give myself the best shot to if there's an alternate needed to be the one that they call. And so after all that, um, I was told on a Thursday by the producer, he messaged me and said, hey, uh, looks like we're not gonna need an alternate um, so we can work on the plans of getting you home. So I would already, you know, was figuring that out. So that was like a Thursday. And the next Monday when I'm getting ready to go out to uh, dinner, 
they call and they're like, hey, can you make weight on Wednesday? I was like, of course. Uh, I don't know anybody says no, but it was like 16 pounds that I had to lose. So I did go to dinner, had a salad, but immediately bought a sauna suit and started running. Um, and then, so all of that happened within like 12 hours of that meeting that they aired of, of me meeting with Dana White, which was the very first thing I did. They mic'd me up, took all my stuff, my bags, uh, took my phone and walked me into a meeting with Dana White. So the part that wow. they, sh um, obviously because of um, editing and, and, and film stuff, the, the meeting was longer than what they, mm -hmm. they, they could show, but they took the first part where I was still like in shock and I, like, I was like, come on guys, you couldn't make me look better. <laughs> but no, it was, uh, that was a, like a fantastic moment for, you know, for him to all the fights that he's seen, all the people he's come across, all the stories that he's heard and, and all of that for him to be excited for, for that moment with me. Cause I had met him before, um, through other UFC, you know, cornering Daquan and Joaquin, mm -hmm. I'd met him before, but never been the focus of the meeting, more of a peripheral, like, oh, hey, what's up, shake your hand, I've taken a picture with him, but at no That's point cool. was it a memorable thing for him right. because of his job and, and what he does. Mm -hmm. And so for that moment to be focused on me and for him to be that excited about it, um, I mean, that, that kind of lifted more drive in me even, and, and it, was, it was just an awesome moment for me to experience. Now, obviously, obviously your now wife is supportive and has been supportive yeah. of of your journey and and the, and the ufc and whatnot yeah that 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 part is i don't know the right words but for it but it's fantastic of of all of the things that she's kind of put on her shoulders now because my job now the way i'm looking and attacking this my job now is fighting mm -hmm. um and you know my episode aired and i didn't win the fight so we know that i'm not getting the ufc contract from the show but I'm still working towards that goal um, of doing that. And so we have a little bit of a period of time here where basically she, she's doing everything. And she's got, she's got her main job and a couple other side jobs where she's bringing in money, which is allowing me to just focus on fighting for an unknown, which is mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, it is crazy. Because there's, there's, no, uh, there's no fight coming up for me. And if there was, then we could say, okay, at this point, you're going to get at least this amount of money. We're going to be good to go. Mm -hmm. um, so she's allowing me to take this window of time of my life to really pursue this. And I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make it work out to where I, I get to that next level and I do well. Um, but if I don't, she's cool with that also, but she's allowed me to do this. And that way, when we move forward in our life well past this period, there's not going to be any part of me that's regrets there's no regrets there's yeah. no resentment of her for in for you know not allowing it um or whatever but it's we're going to be able to move on and be in a good place and look back on this time and she supported me and i worked hard for it and whatever happens happens and then we can we can go on without any any bad mistakes there do you hear that yeah, i do i'm sorry no worries i don't know what that is yeah, those yours. Yeah, so I, can, I mean, I can't say enough good things about uh, my wife and her support of this. And and when we first were talking about the show and and understanding that I might have to quit my job without mm -hmm. hesitation, she was like, "Yeah, do it. Go for it. We'll figure out the rest as we go." And um, you know, I don't know how many women would do that. I mean, I guess that doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. What matters to me is that the one that I have did do that, right. and it, it was fantastic. Now. A lot of people, when they when they hear that you're a professional fighter, just like any professional athlete, they assume that you're you're just made of money. You got a bunch of money coming in. You have contracts. You have sponsorships. What you know? 
obviously that's not the case. You're still yeah. trying to make it, and um, you only make money if you win a fight. Yeah. Or if you have a sponsorship. Yep. Yeah, they we make. So yeah, so if you see a professional fighters, even the UFC fighters at the lower levels, I don't know if anybody saw the last uh, the last weekend's card where uh, Cheyenne Bies was talking how she's broke, and you know she had a performance where she can get the fifty thousand dollar bonus, but that that's definitely life changing. She's already in the UFC. That's her second fight in there, and then she is flat broke. Wow. Um, that's most fighters because we don't get paid if you fight, and then you get paid to fight but if you don't win that's half a paycheck gone you mm -hmm. can't count on the whole whole uh bit of it and then you got to pay for like your training and yeah, whatnot tra right training and then you have your management costs that comes off of top of that or coaching costs uh, of that the corners that come with you um and all that your gear that you have to pay for um i some of my teammates have really good sponsors that will kick in some cash uh, for them and you know they make some posts and support their businesses and all that um, I don't have any of that and it's uh, it's mostly because of the company I was working for before I didn't need it mm -hmm. um, it would have been nice um, and actually I'll get to it in a second there's a couple of people that have helped out um, quite a bit that I'll give a shout out to if you don't mind no not at um, all but uh, the the company that I worked for and the people that I knew uh, were were vendors of of um, insurance world kind you know kind of did stuff for us but I couldn't accept them as sponsorships mm -hmm. um, for anything even though they w would have wanted to um, because of in my job sometimes you end up in court um, if you know if you find a case that is fraudulent and you, it's and conflict you go of that interest. way it even the appearance of conflict um, would be me I know who I am and I know that I'm not gonna hire a vendor because they sponsored me like if you suck at your job mm -hmm. I don't care how much money you give me I'm gonna go with the person who's gonna give us uh, the best results um, right. as a vendor I know that but if you take that anywhere else the appearance of it just isn't good so I can mm -hmm. never accept any of that so that small world that I was in during that time um, you know I didn't really need those sponsors and now that I'm out of it now I have to actively go try and seek sponsorships out and it's pretty difficult uh, especially during this time where most businesses have been shut down for a year mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out how they're paying their bills they're not gonna be able to kick out any money right. to to somebody that you know make some posts and, and you know support their businesses the best we can mm -hmm. but that's it's hard for them to do at this moment so yeah right right now it's uh, basically no money coming in and so we're chasing something and and with no no guarantee at the end now how do you go and find sponsorships do you are you looking for sponsorships like with local businesses um or just anybody any is it like would you be looking for like athletic related sponsors or? sure um at this moment obviously uh I'll basically take sponsorships from anybody local businesses would be ideal because there's the easiest to um easiest to uh push out there because they're in your town and and they're places that you frequent or that you believe in it's not a it's not a product that you don't really believe in, but they gave you some money and you mm -hmm. want to show something with it. Um, one of my sponsors who's been with me f basically from day one, a buddy of mine, his wife is an eye doctor. Um, and so they, from being uh, amateur all the way through, putting their name on my shorts, it's Norton Eye Care. In East Lansing, it's off Hagedorn. So anybody who needs uh, uh, an eye doctor, Dr. Jamie Norton is fantastic. Her facilities are, are so clean. It's so nice. The staff is friendly like that and I would go to them regardless of sponsorships but they've been with me and helping out from day one and so that's I like local sponsorships like that plus it's a you know a friend that uh, um, 
you know, has, has helped help me out. And again, it's nothing exorbitant. You know, mm -hmm. they, they give a little bit of money for a sponsorship. I put their logos on my shorts or, or on my shirt or something like that, and it's great. And I would love to keep sending them and build them up. And, you know, as, as we go, you know, with the idea of sponsorships, when they get in with fighters at the beginning and they help build the, the fighter, the fighter will bring those people along mm -hmm. with them. It's the ones that jump in, like, late that the fighter's like, well, you're only here now because, right. like, where were you when I asked last time? Like, right. where, where were you? And again, I, my education, uh, I've got a master's degree in business. So from the business standpoint, I understand maybe it's not a good idea to take a risk on somebody right away. And so you have to weigh that risk and reward and, and what you're going to do. So I, I never, if a business says no or they can't do it, I never take it personally. I understand their side of it. But I'm always like, if people were to, you know, I see with some teammates of mine, or, or uh, you know, you hear stories of people wanting to jump in mm -hmm. uh, towards the end, uh, w you know, when you're really big and the big lights are on, you're like, oh, right. now you want to say, or, or they'll they'll use that fighter, uh, or just athletes in general, and be like, oh, I knew them way back then, and the fighter's <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I guess you knew me, but like you weren't, you weren't, you didn't get on the train with me back then, so mm -hmm. now you're trying to get on it now, you know, train's full, right? Um, so. Ideally, local stuff, man. I would I would love to get local sponsors and, and help out those businesses the best that I can, and and maybe use some influence I have. Again, I'm not famous by any means at at the moment. Famous to me, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and but you know maybe you know, people I know I can get them to their business and really support them and see a small business grow mm -hmm. um, while I grow and and that growing together like that um, to me that that those seems to be seem to be the best stories. Um, like that so uh, but yeah to, to show the shout outs I guess I wanted to give since we're talking about sponsorships mm -hmm. when I came back from the show um, the, a woman named Jamie Weiss she owns um, Red Cedar Auto Sales in Williamson so when I had my job uh, in the insurance company I had a company car to give it up when I came back I had no money and no car and so she owns a dealership and she and um, our strength and conditioning coach, Justin, um, are together. And so they, Justin tells me, you know, they, they kind of talked uh, absent of me. I didn't even ask for this. Um, and I came back and she is so nice and has allowed me to use one of the cars from our dealership. Oh, cool. Um, and without, there's no strings attached to to this relationship and this it's it's humbling that somebody would do that for me i would never expect i mean this car is a big thing mm -hmm. and uh so i'm thankful to jamie and so anybody again listening if you need a car um she didn't ask me to do this uh again no strings attached to to her or, or what she's done for me but uh at least give them a look and see if there's something there it's red cedar auto sales in uh williamson michigan the other one's not a sponsor, but I brought you a shirt. Oh, sweet. So this shirt is not uh, its not out yet. It was going to be a walkout shirt. Um, cool. So I'm still going to do a sale of these shirts, just trying to work out the logistics. Because okay. um, the main they're not a sponsor. It's just an uh, organization called Healing Little Hearts. I think it's, uh, where is it at? Yeah, down here at the bottom. They're a UK-based um, charity. And they go around the world and provide free heart surgeries to little kids. Can you hold it up so we can see? Yeah. Uh, the bottom part here. Oh, it's with the heart. There you go. It's got their Instagram, too. Cool. On there. It's on the bottom. Um, yeah, so if you look them up, it's healinglittlehearts.org. There's one okay. in uh, Boston. That's not that one. It's the one in the U.K. Okay. And I learned about them in Abu Dhabi just 
in a regular conversation and I looked them up and what stood up, um, stuck out to me is that it's like 90% of their donations actually go to the cause. In the US, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, 40% is like a high amount of right. it's donations. Going to, it's going to overhead. overhead. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I, I've talked with um, Leslie, who's the woman who started it, uh, a little bit, and she kind of told me how they're able to make it work where so much go to, um, to their cause of going all over the world to help little kids who need uh, surgeries on their heart. There's um, congenital condition. I don't remember the name of it. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but uh, it's on their website, but it's fantastic. They go around and just get to help little kids wow. that may not have made it, and they do it absolutely free. And the fact that 90% of the donations uh, go to the actual cause, that's what stood out to me. Their only overhead is like print advertisement and stuff to try wow. to bring in stuff like that. So, um, you know, the doctors that spend their time, they, they do it for free. They're mm -hmm. doing the surgery. So they go to different um, countries around the world and they'll do, She I think she called it like a camp. And they'll, they're there for a week, um, a week to 10 days. Okay. And, um, you know, they've already screened the kids um, to try and help the ones that they can help uh, with the best outcomes. And they come in. They do the surgeries on the kids, and they're in and out, um, minimal cost, but the doctors are doing it completely wow. for free. So um, anytime I get a chance to put their name out there, they don't give me any money. When I do end up selling these shirts, um, I'll put them up on my Instagram. Okay. Um, all of the, so we have to cover the cost of the shirts, but mm -hmm. any money over that is going right to their charity. I'm keeping zero dollars of it. Wow. And I've got um, Justin at HPI is gonna match whatever donation that I can get. Uh, for them. It's been in the works for too long, uh, I'll admit, but the show set back a little bit and because um, the shirt was supposed to be a walkout shirt for a fight and that didn't happen because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's taken a little bit of time um, to get it out there, but I hope to get that out there soon and then, you know, sell some shirts and raise some money for them. I'm hoping to get a couple thousand dollars to be able to send to them and their cause and, and help some of the kids uh, with, you know, to get with them doing the surgery to help these little kids out. Dude, that is awesome. So this, that is this shirt's yours. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate not, it. Not even out for sale yet. I appreciate it. That's awesome. I'm going to wear that on a podcast. <laughs> um, now, what's next for you? You don't have a fight lined up. What do you, what do you, what's your goals? So right now, um, if you've watched seasons of The Ultimate Fighter in the past, contestants oftentimes get their shot, get a shot in the UFC in the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't, they're not the winner. They don't get the big six figure contract that the you know, ultimate fighter advertises right. um, and that they provide to the winners. Um, but I'm hoping that I can use that uh, appearance and, and time in the, uh, the ultimate fighter house to still get into the UFC. And that would ideally be my next fight for the UFC. Um, nothing's lined up yet. Uh, I'm working working with some people trying to figure out how we can make that work but that's the ultimate goal if that doesn't happen and i have to take a fight on a regional card or or something like uh, lfa that's something i obviously I will be doing mm -hmm. um to then make that next step to the ufc um that's still a goal that hasn't changed um since the house the obviously my performance in the house wasn't what i wanted it, it's kind of weird and i guess i can take this to kind of explain uh mentality that I had going into that fight because it was the first fight that I had where those uh, the feelings I told you about the why and, and the being afraid I had them early early on but mm -hmm. I, because I got in the house on a Tuesday weighed in Wednesday and fought Thursday like there was no time for that 
that long anticipation. I had to make the wait. I had to right. do all the interviews that the other guys had already done because they had been in the house for a couple weeks already. Um, take all the promo pictures. I didn't have time to think about anything. When I got in the cage, everything was so clear. I felt so comfortable. I felt like I, I belonged. I wasn't nervous mm -hmm. at all for the fight. And my mental space was, I'm ready to go to war with this kid. I don't, uh, and at that point, I didn't get to meet him. Uh, uh, Gilbert Avina, fantastic guy. Um, can't say enough nice things about him and meeting him through, so after we fought, um, I, you know, I had the rest of the time in the house to, to get to know him and, and the other guys as well. Everybody was in the house was fantastic. But at that point, to me, he's just a guy, didn't meet him, didn't have to, all the other guys that fought had been living with them. I didn't have to experience what they did. And I was in there ready to break stuff and bleed and win or lose, I was like, something's gonna happen. And he, rightfully so, understood that it was a tournament and you don't wanna take damage because you're gonna have to fight again soon. And so his game plan obviously worked much better than mine and he went into a fight with the mentality of win with no damage. And I was ready for everything apparently except the takedown and he never allowed me to get comfortable. And so I f it's frustrating because of what I was ready for. Um, I, I, I didn't come off the street, right? Some they're mm -hmm. like, oh, two to less than 48 hour notice and you stepped in. And, and I know, and maybe it's just me being either humble or kind of hard on myself, that's not an excuse to me. I was still training out in Vegas. Um, as uh, Knowing I was an alternate, I was still out there training. I was training at uh, two different gyms, 10th Planet, uh, Las Vegas, and Extreme Couture were kind enough to allow me to come in and get work with them. So it wasn't cool. like I was out of shape or wasn't ready to, to fight. None of that right. was a factor. Um, I, you know, Maybe the experience of meeting Dana White and just getting thrown into that with all of the cameras around you, I don't mm -hmm. know how much that, that takes. But when I got in the cage, I was mentally ready for everything that the fight can offer when it comes to being hurt. and and you know really wanting to put on a show and it's a little bit frustrating that i didn't get to do that because he executed his game plan so perfectly that i didn't get a chance to do any of that so i want my next fight whether you know hopefully it's a ufc fight but i know that i'm will go in there and i'll definitely be able to see all all the work that i put into this for the last 10 years and that um i can fight and that what they saw on the show um wasn't somebody who can't fight it was just somebody who um, whose opponent executed a, a perfect game plan, and, and that's just all that that was, which most fighters know and people know and athletes know that that does happen. Mm -hmm. But it really sucks that when I'm on, I was on the biggest stage and, again, mentally ready for all of that stuff for it to happen that way. Again, the, right. the loss d didn't hurt as bad as just not being able to perform, you know, even close to what I, what I know I'm capable of and what I was ready to do. And, again, hats off to Gilbert. You know, he came in and, and, and he was treating it like a tournament I was treating it like this is where I earned my contract this night not mm -hmm. not winning the show not anything this night is where I win the contract and maybe that was the wrong mentality because it didn't work out um, but the next fight when it comes comes in there's not going to be anything that I'm not ready for um, and it, I will put on the performance the next one that I was planning on for the show so uh, kind of going back how you were talking about earlier that you watch film and you you try to learn your opponent you know going into a fight what did you learn specifically from the fight with gilbert and what are you going to take forward from there well going into that fight i didn't know anything about gilbert so that's right. i guess that's one that's of the, true. one of the things that going into it i didn't have my normal preparation for um which again we train mixed martial arts you, tr you should know other um 
know, be ready for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of my process is, is seeing what I need to be ready for and practicing it and preparing for it. And it was a situation where I didn't get to do that. Um, what I learned from the fight, I think it's about only like three minutes of the fight, but just the way that he took me down um, and, and there was, there's a, a few things that I could have done to set up. Um, so he, he caught a kick and th- was um, throwing the punch and just did like a far leg takedown and then just hopped on my back immediately. And the rest of the time I'm just fighting off a choke. Um, so the, learning experience part of, of that fight was the kick that he caught he caught it because i had faked it, like um caught fainting but like faint i faint to kick right before the same exact one is so stupid i fainted once and i threw the same exact thing again and so i let him see what it looks like coming in and he he reacted perfectly to it so just a small little mistake there to where you, you know you don't faint something like that and go mm-hmm. immediately right back to it you know, you got to throw your hands with your feet. You can't be one-dimensional in your attack. And like I told you, my, I like to go out and just, just touch. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. You're These good. wires. Sorry, guys. So, um, I, it was one of it was a fight where, you know, you know the next. Um, you know, series of attacks I was doing, I, I wanted to get get out and, and, and be the one to make that first touch. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, he, he executed that. So I can, that first, you know, 30 seconds, there's so many small little things that I can take from that fight um, that will just won't happen again. I mean, I, you can't, you can't see a mistake and then do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, those little things, that little series, it just won't happen again. And, and so there's a lot to learn even in a short fight like that. Now losing that fight, kicked you out of the ultimate fighter no you're no, still, you're in, still the, in yep you're, okay uh, well so you're out of the tournament right you can't win the contract okay you're still in the house the rest of the time so i was in, in okay. there the rest of the time watched the other fights trained with the other guys helped the other members of my team train for you know that were still in the tournament up for okay. their coming fight so it's not like a uh you lose and, and then you're out type thing if you lose the fight you're still on the show you're still in the house um and you're still training with your team, which is also fantastic, getting to train with Brian mm-hmm. Ortega and uh, Henry Gracie, because um, the ground game is something that is the weakest part of my game. My losses have all come by submissions, um, and so being able to learn from Henry Gracie and, and just even small little tips that he can give me, uh, or that he did give me, and, and having that resource, uh, him and Brian Ortega, to be able to reach out to in any future scenario is is amazing and will definitely benefit my game going forward but those the jujitsu part is something from the show it, it's like i knew that i needed to work on it more mm-hmm. um but it's like i kind of did but now i need to fall in love with that like i did striking um which has happened so i like our jujitsu days i really focus on those and i'm learning those things just to not repeat the same mistakes um and, and just get caught in the same things because when you get caught um you know, in submissions, oftentimes it's just a small little mistake that the other person capitalized on. And with those mistakes, you have to know the counters to those mistakes. And if I'm not working on uh, those positions there, I'm just not going to have them. And you can't learn those. And, you know, I was with Henry Gracie for uh, like 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes max before I was going into arguably the biggest fight of my life or biggest opportunity of my life. And, and, you know, he can only teach me so much where Gilbert is very experienced on the ground. So 
I'm in my corner. Um, you know, in the episode, you can hear my corner. You know, yelling out different things, and I'm going. I'm doing this. The things that are telling me to step by step, but I hadn't put enough time into it to where it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing them at a baby level, step by step by step. One, Gilbert can hear the coaches also. It's right. the Apex Center. There's no fans in there. Uh, they hear them, but he's also well-versed in it. So he knows that, okay, if I'm going through this step, he's just skipping me and going to the next one. So the whole time he was uh, a step ahead. Yeah, way, yeah, way step ahead. And I'm just working to make sure that that's not uh, an Achilles heel for me moving forward uh, in the future fights. And, you know, maybe I can get some submissions of my own with the work that I'm, I'm putting in mm-hmm. here um, versus relying on, um, on my hands and feet. Now, how often again are you training in jujitsu? We well, we do a lot of work every, every day. Someday we call them flow rows. So you're you're just rolling and, and just getting a position with your teammates and chasing submissions. So mm-hmm. no, you're not punching each other. You're just chasing submissions. But we've got a jujitsu coach coming in on Thursday, and those practices are really hard. Um, you know, we take a skill or a set of skills at the beginning of practice. You drill them, and then you try to work them out live. And so then we have that skill that we've drilled and then we will continue to use that in the other practices okay. and then we get another jujitsu practice and you kind of build on those on those skills so it's he's very clearly moving us um you know from you know a position and we're practicing that position and then we'll go to another position so in a real fight that's the it's the progression of how that position goes so mm-hmm. um we're learning them in succession of, of how they would typically go in a fight both offensively and defensively I, my wife and I took our first jujitsu class last week. Okay. And, uh, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We had a blast. Where'd you go? Um, so this girl I had on the podcast, I'm actually, I've known her since I was like a teenager. Um, she, she owns a hair salon and she also owns a jujitsu gym, um, like upstairs. Um, but it's called, Hmm. uh, beauty, beauty and beast. Hmm. It's on the North side. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Are um, you doing a gi or no gi? No gi. No gi. Yep. Do I, you do no gi? Only no gi only because no gi. Uh, MMA we don't have the clothes on. Right. Um, right. Uh, a lot of people love gi that that do it. And most people start out with that. I've never done done gi. Uh, it's from my understanding completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot slower paced, um, like that. But I practically no gi is what what I need to know. Because okay. uh, in MMA, you start to get sweaty and you put somebody in a triangle and that arm slips right out when it's sweaty if you don't have right. uh, if you don't have it locked up tight enough or you're not at the right angle. Where in gi, you can kind of hold the collars mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of hold people there that way. Now, um, are you training like Gracie style? Because I know the, the form of jiu-jitsu that we're training is more of Gracie, Gracie type. She, she was kind of saying that it... Like there's sport, there's sports jujitsu, and then there's like, like Gracie style. Or so I guess I'm not versed in the different styles versus like explain like that. But I'm gonna they, take my headphones off. Okay, they do have um, the uh, like Eddie Bravo style combat. There's combat jujitsu mm-hmm. where they they like slap each other. So there those are there's limited strikes, but there's open palm strikes in that. Okay, um, and that was meant to show that what positions in jiu-jitsu are vulnerable in real life because in real life if something happens somebody's not going to let you you know sit there and tie them up without trying to smack you in the face (laughs) so that they do a lot of that that's on uh ufc fight pass they have tournaments there's uh submission only grappling tournaments where they chase submissions um only and then if there's a certain amount of times reached uh i think the judges kind of pick the best it's that part's very subjective um the ones that i've seen 
it, I don't know how they pick a winner. There's no point system. And I think there's some forms of jujitsu that have points. Um, the Gracie system uh, and what Henner is doing now, he does a lot of uh, teaching people self-defense um, and, and teaching people the lifestyle of jujitsu um, mm -hmm. like that. And that's my understanding. And then following him on Instagram and seeing the things that he's doing. Um, it's all very, very effective, uh, whether it's MMA or self-defense. Um, I haven't, I've competed in one jiu-jitsu tournament a while ago. Uh, I got worked really bad. Um, but I do plan now that I'm learning more and, and focusing more on that area of my game, I do plan on getting into some tournaments and, and trying to compete in only that to where I can't rely on anything else like punches and kicks and you do in a fight and really focus on those and just getting better, better in that area. Now, when you're going into a fight, uh, I kind of want to wrap this up soon, but um, when you're going into a fight, like a fight camp, how long are you? How long before a fight are you going into fight camp? That is, it? That is never, never a constant. Ideally, would be eight weeks where okay. you can start your diet, um, you know, start to get your body adjusted to that diet, and then working on that diet. Because when in MMA, other sports, you you want to have a lot of calories, mm -hmm. you need a lot of calories because you're going to be um, exerting exerting them and being explosive in your sport. That's also true in MMA, but you have to combine the weight cut. So you have to be able to train hard and effective on a uh, caloric deficit mm -hmm. because, it, I mean, weight loss can be, um, it's a real simple, burn more calories than you put in. And there's <laughs> right. a lot of ways yeah. to do that and a lot of dietitians that are professionals on that, but that mm -hmm. it really boils down to burn more than you're putting in. And you, we have to be comfortable in, in training at a high level with less fuel. And so eight weeks, in my experience, seems to be the best of getting your body uh, to that point where you can do that and, and slowly get your weight down. But in reality, it could be two days, like I mm -hmm. was on, um, on The Ultimate Fighter a week. Uh, Daquan Townsend took his first UFC fight on three days. And I think uh. he, when he, that was, he was the short, he had like the, the record for the shortest notice fight. I think one person uh, has beat him since, so it's like the second now. But that's three days. Did he win that fight? No, um, oh. but he had to lose like thirty pounds. We we drove out to um, to Minnesota and helped him drop that weight. And so there's no time of thinking about the fight or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just all weight cut. Um, I think m standard. I think if there were to, an average, my guess would be f people get four weeks and. And that's enough. And if you're like me and, and most of the guys uh, that are doing this, you're, you're kind of staying ready, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you may not be sticking to your diet 100%, uh, but you're still training. And so a month is, is also still very reasonable to okay. do that. So right now, because I'm not working um, and I'm focusing only on fighting, I'm considering this entire time a camp. So I'm, I am training hard like it, it's camp. I, if there was a fight on Saturday, I'd be ready for a fight on Saturday because of how much work I've been putting into it up to this point. Now, you don't think that it, that'll have a negative effect on you where you're training this hard for an endless amount of time? Um, it is possible that there's a, um, what's the right way to say it, like a diminishing return effect right. on, on that, but I'm nowhere near that mm -hmm. at, at the moment. I mean, there'll be a, a point in time where if if I start to feel broken down uh, physically, that you know I can take a few days off and and, right. and recover uh, that way. But um, I'm not there yet, so we'll, I guess we'll see how long. I I hope to get a fight well before that happens. Um, so there's two two or three more episodes 
of the Ultimate Fighter um, okay. before the finale. Um, all of the fights in the house and all the people were great. So you know, I encourage people to to still watch it, follow mm -hmm. follow all those guys. They all have great stories. They're all working towards the same goal. Uh, that I am this season of the Ultimate Fighter. I think best reflects the evolution of MMA itself. So the early on seasons of the Ultimate Fighter, you saw people getting uh, really drunk in the house and breaking doors and fighting each other in the house. <laughs> um, this season, I don't. there's not even much footage on this episode of people at the house because everybody was so respectful, so nice of each other's space, talking, learning about each other. Um, you know, I, I was sharing a bedroom with Gilbert and as a guy that I fought. In, right. in the house and so we had an opportunity to get to know each other um as well you know and, and everybody got to do that and there was it was all business we trained hard they fought hard and in the house it was just respectful and that's exactly where mma has come from where it started of just people being brutally tough mm -hmm. and now they're tough skilled and respectful most of the time again you they right. need, you need to sell tickets you need to get people excited about fights sometimes there's real uh beef you know if of somebody they're fighting some people uh do that that it's real some people do it and it's fake um all that's always going to be there and it that makes the sport always exciting but the way that this season went in my experience and from what the other guys is everybody was so respectful and we all were there for the same goal and we knew that the other guys were there for the same goal and working for the same thing and there was a respect towards that mm -hmm. but when it came to the guys fighting in the cage all that was gone it was a fight you fought each other and immediately afterwards friends again i mean i think that's one, cool. one of the episodes you saw um dan and uh ricky share a piece of pizza after they <laughs> went to a massive war uh a three-round fight beating each other up and and they just had you know had a pizza and a talk afterwards and it's just it was a fantastic experience and and i think that's where the sport is now from where it was and there's a lot more room to grow with that so um, the show allows the fans the opportunity to get inside the lives of the fighters mm -hmm. outside of the cage and really really get to know them and I think anybody that watches the show is going to be a fan of every single fighter in the house so I hope you know people that haven't watched it go back and catch up and then continue watching it when it's all done absolutely I mean I think a lot of people kind of I mean MMA has kind of gotten a bad rap as far as like the persona people put on. I mean, because people see the the pre-fight interviews and um, the weigh-ins, and they're like, okay, there's there's tension there. But it really, it's it's for entertainment purposes for the most part. Yeah, I, well, I think some of that tension is is again, you know, you're getting into a fight with this person. Right, you're going to and, war, and maybe at that moment in time, you don't like them. But um, most of the men that I know, as kids, they got into little fights in the playground and all of that. Mm -hmm. The people that you fought almost always became your friend because yeah. there was a mutual respect there after you've gone through something like that, uh, the physical you know, violence or the fight or something like that versus people who just like talk and bicker or talk behind each other's back. Mm -hmm. They'll never be friends. But the right. people who are just like, all right, it's time. And they throw down. And then afterwards, they're like, all right, that's done. We can move on. We're friends. You know, right. uh, fair play on you. Now... Um, what is your diet like when you're obviously right now you're kind of in training camp so what's your diet like in training camp versus when you're out of training camp and right right now um, I don't so I'm hanging around about 195 that cut to 170 it is it it does suck but this is the weight that I want to hang around so my diet is um, you know I, I'm not discriminating against any food if I want to have a mm -hmm. hamburger I have a hamburger um, but it's it's food that I can use as, as fuel 
for practice, but maintain this weight. Right. And then when I get, like if I were to get a call, I could make weight 170. It, it would suck, but I can make it relatively short time. Um, but I drink a ton of water. I have a gallon of water with me. I fill it up a couple times a day um, on average. Um, you know, obviously give or take a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but when I, when I start to cut the weight, um, there's uh, I, any adult drinks off the table. Um, that helps clean out your body mm -hmm. um, even more water to try and consume less food to start because you have to uh, and I don't know if this is scientific but it's what it feels like shrinking your stomach and mm -hmm. getting to a point the first week or so uh, when you're eating less food it really sucks you feel hungry but once you get past that point you no longer feel hungry so it's easy to cut the weight and I'll eat things like a peanut butter sandwich just peanut butter and the bread Oof. and that'll give you the pro that'll give you the protein from the peanut butter um, and then you'll have the carbs that you need to get through practice and it's really boring and bland but it's just real easy to do um, you have to give your body something to burn off yeah in, in order to sustain and keep going yeah and the sandwich yeah. is what like i don't know six ounces at most depending right. on much peanut butter i mean this so water is really uh when you get closer to weight that's the enemy i've made the mistake before of cutting a bunch of weight and it's almost like your body can't control itself if you, if i were to go to a water fountain i put it all back on but this is a pound and it would take me you know like 30 minutes to an hour to run this Jeez. off where i would rather I, you know i would rather have uh you know a little bit of food or fruit or something to give me some of the calories mm -hmm. um when you know once you get closer to weight like that so um i'm not a vegan i'm not a like uh, uh not on the all meat diet or anything mm -hmm. like that i um, you just eat everything i eat everything and just kind of uh i lower the portion size you know of what i'm eating systematic it down i don't eat late at night um you know i cut that out and just kind of slowly taper it down until the last couple of weeks i'm eating you know a little bit of maybe turkey cubes or something like the p3 packs okay those are yeah. perfect because it tells you that there's three ounces right in there and I, I know that i'm only eating three ounces because at that point it comes to the actual weight of the food that you're eating versus what you're eating mm -hmm. um, at that moment and, i mean there's better foods to eat that will give you more bang for your buck more energy for a uh, lower amount of uh, ounces um, but those p3 packs have been great for me and again like a peanut butter sandwich or half a peanut butter sandwich that gives me plenty of energy to get through a practice and i burn it off real quick now, do you take any supplement? What kind of supplements do you take? Do you take any? I, I try to take supplements, <laughs> but I've never been consistent with them uh, okay. at all. Um, you don't take vitamins? I take, I take vitamin D, okay. um, and I take a, a glucosamine um, supplement. What's for that? It's for joints. Okay. Um, and then I take um, cordyceps mushrooms um, okay. before practice. So uh, it's... Um, Shroom Tech Sport is the Onnit brand mm -hmm. of it, and the cordyceps mushrooms um, really help. It's like a almost like a pre-workout, but okay. you don't have the um, like the the tingly feeling. I can't stand that word. It I feels like needles yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. So um, I'll usually take that uh, about midday, and that, and uh, at practice, it, it kind of I feel that it kind of helps. I, I can definitely tell when I don't have them or don't take them, but okay. supplement wise not much man i don't take uh, you, you have to be careful too right as far as what you take in case you have a, a negative or a bad test i guess yeah so um we met with the uh ufc's um anti-doping people who work with usada so the ufc has has outsourced their drug testing to usada so that it's independent so that there's uh, again we've talked about conflict of interest if the ufc were doing it and let's say conor mcgregor uh, somehow tested positive for something. Mm -hmm. UFC, the money that he brings into the UFC, they might be able to say, eh, push it to the side. 
USADA yeah. being the third party, they don't allow any of that. Um, so we had a meeting with them, and, and once you're uh, signed with the UFC, you get entered into the USADA program, and you give them a list of everything that you have taken. and Within they, a certain amount of time? Um, yeah, but you can just tell them everything so okay. that they know because um, if something shows up on a test that you didn't tell them about, that's, mm -hmm. that's a problem. They don't hold a lot against you from uh, being pre-signed. Okay. But, I mean, if you were on, like, testosterone steroids you wouldn't they would you wouldn't be able to fight they would they would make you get to a point where it's no longer in your system before you could fight but okay. other other stuff that other things that might be not necessarily full-on steroids that are banned because a lot of things at gnc are banned substances really? based on usada yeah huh. um if you look on on the labels of um supplements they give us a sheet there's a, a, a tag on it that says, I think, NSF, and there's a couple other ones. But that means that those, it, they say if we take the ones that have that label on there, um, we are safe because if that supplement is tainted, they can trace that particular supplement back to the batch and find out what it's t tainted with. Is that what you tested positive for? And was there a contamination of that particular supplement? Wow. Um, so there's there's some uh, a lot of supplements out there that will pay the money to go through that third party testing to get those labels on there so that professional athletes can take them. Um, but me with supplements, I just never been consistent with. It. I forget about it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, even in college, when they, you know, th they they give you stuff, and I, I try, <laughs> I try it, and then I just forget because I don't, I don't know, I don't feel, I don't, I don't want to rely on certain things mm -hmm. like that, and I just feel like maybe just hard work will, will help with that. And there's definitely yeah. supplements that one thousand percent work, mm -hmm. and if you were consistent with them, they would work. But I yeah. just, I never, never have from being little all the way up through. I'll, I'll you know, dabble with creatine. I, I keep giving that a go sometimes. And I just don't take it enough for it to make any right. difference. Uh, yeah, you got to be like real strict about taking creatine. Yeah, I I don't have the patience for that. Well, and I, uh, yeah, so that's the same with me. So I take it and I don't see the results because it's not fast enough, and I got to remember to keep taking it, and I just forget. Uh, protein. Uh, I was having a protein powder when I was in Abu Dhabi because I lost a lot of weight the first time that I went out there. It was so hot, and I uh, the food has such a different taste that I just didn't like it uh, right away. Mm -hmm. And being so hot, um, I can't eat when I'm hot. And so I was just eating fruit. And so I lost like 15 pounds in like three days. And so wow. the UFC nutritionist people, they actually gave me some protein. <laughs> and I was like, here, take this. And I gained, I gained some of the weight back doing that. But again, it, it, I was consistent there because I needed it mm -hmm. um, in order to keep my weight on. Um, but I try it I, to, to bulk up and get big. But I was like, eh, just lift some weights maybe or, yeah. or, or practice harder. <laughs> Well, man, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Any sh more shout-outs you want to give or uh, before we wrap this up? No, I think uh, I appreciate you and your time and reaching out Absolutely. to me. I, I obviously wish the, uh, success more of your podcast, and hopefully we can get some uh, some viewers there. And um, You know, a lot, a lot of people, when I uh, did the Instagram post today, would ask me, is it live? Where can I watch it? So hopefully we get some, okay. uh, get some of that. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you doing this, and, and it's awesome that there's a local place here in Lansing doing this and giving people a platform to, to get their voices out there. So I appreciate you. Yeah, you absolutely. Me. Thank you. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for being here.